It's time for Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo. This new show discusses trends, technology, and tactics to help the listener learn more about improving sales, saving money, and fulfilling a personal mission through entrepreneurship. As we come to the end of 2023, we wanted to discuss goal setting, but we can't leave this year without a couple of laughs, so we wanted to share our list of the funniest side hustles from our favorite television shows. But first, a word from our underwriter. Welcome to Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo on WVLP 103.1 FM. I'm your host, Mark Mondo. We're on the air in Valparaiso, Indiana, and you can listen to us streaming on the website at wvlp.org or use the TuneIn app on your mobile device and look for WVLP. 103.1 FM WVLP is a local nonprofit radio station based in Valparaiso, Indiana. This show, like many of the shows on WVLP, are made possible by the generosity of donors and underwriters. We accept donations at WVLP.org. Simply click on the support tab and make a one-time donation or sustained pledge to WVLP. All donations are tax deductible. Underwriters are made up of businesses and organizations that support the shows on WVLP. Getting down to business with Mark Mondo would like to thank Homes by Hortensia, a Coldwell Banker affiliate in Porter County, Indiana, for their support. Homes by Hortensia has served the region's residential real estate needs in Indiana for over 12 years. Contact Hortensia Moreno or Tiffany Zorio at 219-249-5118 or visit homesbyhortensia.com. Homes by Hortensia, habla espanol. Welcome to the show. In case you're a new listener, here's my backstory and I'm sticking to it. I've been a consultant for small businesses for the last 25 years, helping small businesses implement customer relationship management software, AKA a CRM system, where I learn their business processes and customize the software to help them gain an advantage in sales, marketing, or customer service. But there is much more to become a success in business than having just a good CRM system. That's why I bring on guests to tell their stories and share tips on either technology, tactics, or trends they use to become successful. So let's get into it and introduce everyone here today. Well, actually, it's just two of us. So to my side is the producer, a star soprano. Oh, and she's my wife. It's Mrs. Cynthia Zimmerman. Hello, hello, my dear. Well, today, we want to take a lighter approach to wrap up the year. I really thought I was going to learn something new, like learn a programming language called Python to write an API to make two programs talk to each other in the web. I wound up taking it easy instead. Oh, fun fact. The programming language Python was named after the British comedy troupe of Monty Python. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's kind of cute trivia right there. So us computer guys, we got a sense of humor. Yes, you do. So one event did stick in my mind during this interim. Uh, at my local chamber of commerce, a gentleman called us out in a polite way in a roundtable discussion about whether we have written plans for next year. More often than not, I didn't have those tasks or elements written down. He recommended having a full business plan documented. 
And I agree with that. You definitely need this if you're new, looking to raise money or share your ideas with your team. Now, there are dozens of free templates out there. Just search for a business plan template on Google and you'll find plenty of resources out there. Or if you need somebody to really help you side by side, like labor to help you or not just chat GPT, you can get some free help with something called the SBDC, Small Business Development Center. This is a free service offered by the SBA, otherwise known as the Small Business Administration in the US. That's called the SBA.gov. And for our UK audience, we have a few of them out there. You can work with what's called the LEP network, which stands for Local Enterprise Partnership. And that's part of the UK.gov website or actually LEPnetwork.net. Of course, you can hire a coach. Obviously, that would be the best, but most of us are on a shoestring budget. But hey, if you need a coach, call us, contact us on the show, and we can hook you up. As they say, I got a guy. So I found writing the whole plan daunting relative to other priorities, but I did need to narrow down my goals to make them more concrete. And what I wound up doing was using something called the SMART method. And it's an acronym. It's pretty easy. And there's a hundred other ways you can do this, but I want to, this is easy to explain over radio. So S is for specific. M is for measurable, A is achievable, R is relevant, T is time. So if you have a goal encapsulating the SMART method, it will help you crystallize your goals. And if you don't, if you want more details on this, just do a Google search or web search for the SMART method. And I'm gonna bring this now to a more specific example. So let's start off with S for specific. Uh, one of my goals is to make an extra 2,500 bucks a month in CRM software hosting services. So in my company, what I do is we have software that they subscribe to and I want them to stay with me. And I, you know, I want them to stay with me and I wanna make another $2,500 a month. This is a specific goal and it's measured, M for measurable, by the number of users of the software. It's not qualitative, it's quite quantitative. And I hope this is achievable. What I need to do is get eventually get 50 people signed up for my software, if assuming my margin is $50 per user per month. In other words, 50 times 50 is 2,500. So I wanna have that snowball by the end of the year. Hey, it'd be great to have it done by January 31st. That'd be awesome. But this is my goal in the long term. And this is relevant, R for relevant in the SMART acronym, because my hosting income allows me to scale the business without 100% reliance of just my own labor selling my own last hour of time. So therefore it's relevant. And T for time in the SMART acronym, I wanna get this done in a year. And if I did it right, hey, if I had 50, you know, by January 31st, I got all 50 users. That's another 30K in my pocket. Or by the end of the year, you by have 30K in your pocket. That's and right. Can you just say that one more time? For the whole thing or for, for the whole thing? Just, you know, for me, all especially. Right. So specific, S is specific, S is specific. M is measurable, 
A is achievable, R is relevant, T is for time. So for specific, you are writing down a specific goal, correct? A goal, correct. I want to make 2,500 bucks a month in hosting revenue. Okay. And then how do you measure that? I measure that by every user that signs up for the software. So for instance, if there's a, a painter and they host my software and they have three people using my software, the painting company, that's three users on the hosting service, three out of 50 I want to achieve. And then achievable is how many people you think you can contact to get that service per month. Is that yes. correct? It's achievable meaning, is it in the realm of possibilities mentally? Mm. Rather than just saying, well, I'm going to be a billionaire and I'm going to go take out Warren Buffett and Elon Musk in net worth in, in 30 days. You know, well, that's not really achievable. I think it, it gives that realism element to it. Now, I can be accused of setting my goals too low, but I, that is a personal decision. And what I like about this is it's not driven by some externality. I mean, there are externalities on what you want to achieve financially and all that, but it's not some arbitrary number some somebody's throwing in your face. Right. And I think it's true in that if you set an attainable, achievable goal, you'll actually do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, oh, I'm going to lose 100 pounds. Oh. <laughs> Please don't. You'll be, you, they'll be, you'll be a wisp of your own former self. Yes. Please don't yeah. lose 100 pounds. You know, I'm just trying to get through the first 20 here. So I, I try, I'm trying to break that down into, you know, two, one or two pounds at a time. But, oh, oh wait, okay. well, that's way off. That, that's personal goal setting versus business goal setting. Another show. <laughs> okay. Another. On to R for relevant. Yep. So why is this goal relevant to personal success? Um, because when I make this goal, it will be relevant to scale my business for personal success, fiscal success. And if I can make 50, the, the technology is there that I can put 100 on next time. You know, it, it's relevant and how a business in my industry is measured on performance. Okay. How many people are subscribing to your software is the first or second metric anybody asks. Okay. And then T for time. Yes. I put a timeline on this so I can make it, I need a time frame to make it so we have some limits, not just forever and it's a someday maybe goal. You want to have some kind of constraint that says, hey, we need, we need to we need to get get on with it, as they say. And it's also a sense of, well, it's not a sense of, but it's accountability. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. That was very helpful. Now I know a little bit more about the business world. Well, you know, this is, this is why we're here. So. so when did you start using the SMART method? So how did you get to using the SMART method? Well, I wound up the hard way. I think that's how, yeah, the hard way. For probably 15 years, I really had it all in my head. I just said, make money. I think subconsciously, I didn't write them down because I didn't want to be my own critic if I missed that goal. Furthermore, I didn't like it 
when sales managers or vendors just throw down some arbitrary numbers for me to achieve just to benefit them and their spreadsheets and their boats and their yachts or whatever. I wasn't there to meet their goals. I was there to meet mine. So I think I just had that my own conflict that I didn't want to have. But on a personal side note, from 2007 to 2012, I put the business on the side, more in survival mode to get my mental health back on track. Um, so by getting through those internal conflicts and putting those to rest, I was able to put the goals down on paper over time and manage that self-critic luring and back of the mind. The mental health thing, it works. And our other guests have professed this mental health. To get that in order, just as important as the tech skills. Yes, yes, definitely. You not only need to have your goals set or your SMART method written down, but you need to make sure that mentally you can handle what you're setting yourself up to do and have a support network. Oh, yeah. And we've heard that multiple times with our previous guests. And that brings me to the next topic. Okay, we got our goal setting, and we we're trying to keep this episode light. And one of the things Cynthia came across was the, we call, we call them listicles. <laughs> Yes, that yes, they actually, I went to a marketing seminar at a software conference and they said, this is a new, well, maybe 10 years old method of writing for the internet. Listicles, top 10 this, top reasons of this, this weird trick does this. It sets the expectation of a short article and what a user is going to get out of it. So they'll clickbait it. Mm -hmm. So we fell for it and we, we got did. a topic we, and we found, what did we find? We found 12 characteristics of successful entrepreneurs. So we're going to dig into these and see if they really are good stepping stones for new and current entrepreneurs. And by the way, we found this, guess where? Entrepreneur.com. <laughs> yes, I did a lot of deep research here, but I thought they were pretty interesting. So... Let's dig into them. Number one, an entrepreneur will take what they do seriously. So that means that they don't see it as a hobby. They actually see it as their their career, their job, and they're going to commit to it. Wouldn't you say? Yes. And when I read this, my reaction was, duh. <laughs> But okay. I think, all right, I'm being a little cynical. And maybe yeah. a little, my age is showing or something to that effect. Yeah, yeah you got to be serious. And I know there's, yeah. they're serious. It's not a hobby, I mm -hmm. think might be a better way to do this. Yeah. Not a hobby. When you think it's a charity, it might be see, seen differently. And I mm. think that's where, I, I wish they refined that a little different. Yeah. Well, the next one isn't uh, a moment either. Number two, an entrepreneur We'll make it all about the customer. And that's also, I think, another duh. Yes, I think we got a sound effect, either <laughs> duh or really. Maybe so, number three will be more in Well, let's talk about that a little bit more. Let's talk about that a little more when they make it all about the customer. Yeah. Yes, customer experience is that's the mm -hmm. new, the latest phrase that's going around the marketing circuits. It's customer experience. It's all about people are buying experiences mm -hmm. just as much as the product. You know, the 
if you can make it, yes, you got to make things client centric or customer centric, but I think there has to be that balance. You're not a charity. Mm-hmm. Find your worth. I think that would be the the big key. And I don't know if they this phrase really helps you stand your ground. Mm. Well, it also to me reads into you have to have that work life balance. Um, yep. You know, yes, you're there to provide a service or a product to your customers, but I remember Mighty Mo, our wonderful lady who has her own fitness center was saying that you still have to put down, um, you know, the expectations of what you can give to your customers and not to go over that so that you're taken advantage of. And so I see it as more, yes, be polite to your customers, give them a good experience, make sure your website's easy to use and navigate, that you have a good product. And if they have any problems, it's not difficult getting in touch with you. But that also being said, you're not at their beck and call 24-7. Yep. Yep. All right. Number three, the entrepreneur will make the big decisions carefully, which Mm -hmm. to me is pretty straightforward. I mean, if it depends on your business, is it just you or if you have a few people, you know, you need to, if it's your business, you are the one who's going to make be making those decisions. And I think that's where research coming comes in and having a business plan. And if you have any other people working with you, discussing things with them, but knowing in the end, it's your decision that is final. That's the way I read it. What about you, Mark? Well, yeah, I think it says don't be so impulsive. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a I mean, yes, all decisions are emotional driven based at the end of the day. You're either Mm -hmm. doing a a decision towards greed or away from fear. I mean, that's a very oversimplified buying decision model. But if you're going to do it, I think you got to analyze your decisions behind something. I'll share. I can't think of any guests that we talked about big decision making carefully, but I'll talk about one I just made about a year ago today. I went shopping. I made a big decision carefully. Colleague of mine was retiring in the United Kingdom, and that's why you'll hear start hearing some UK references. And I went shopping about a year ago this week and bought a company over there. I made the decision carefully. Did I plan? Eh, it could have been better. But I did decide carefully. So I think there's always that element of, yeah, you got to take it carefully, but eventually... You, you put something on the line. And Cynthia was there as part of the support network. You know, on do I move this? I mean, our fantasy mm-hmm. is uh, to go over there every week just to, you know, see a client. I hope in the, by 20, you know, part of my goal setting is to get more of that revenue so we have an excuse. I mean, we, we just have to go. <laughs> well, I think the fact that you purchased an international business feeds right into number four. Entrepreneurs aren't scared of the road less traveled. Oh, yes. Yeah, no fear. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you, 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 there is always a sense of fear and, and new things that you don't know and that you, you feel are a good possibility but can still be a gamble. 
And I, you know, I, I witnessed that with you when you purchased this new business uh, in England. But I do know you did a lot of in research. You asked a lot of questions from trusted colleagues so that you, I think you had enough in your bag to be able to take that trip down that road less traveled and not fall on your face. No, no, we just, we, we celebrated a milestone. We, we paid up, you know, we got mm -hmm. one of our investors, the seller has been taken care of mm -hmm. on his side of the equation today. So it is now my road to travel or not mm -hmm. I, it's ours. I'm mm -hmm. not Horatio Alger. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, you know, t it, to abate your fears, bring that, how, how many times have you had the support system called out? I would say out of 20 something shows we've done so far, I'd say 20 something say at least, at least the majority, maybe one or two not, but the majority of people always say that they have a support network network of either you know, family members, friends, in addition to colleagues. So. Actually, what about this? There was a two episodes with Cindy Chang yes. and Bob Lambert that talked about faith and elements yes. of religious faith, mm -hmm. institutional faith or spiritual faith, depending how you look at it. Okay, no theology sidebars for me, but it is about that. There is faith. Mm -hmm. you know, there is faith, whether no matter which God or gods you worship, there's faith at the end of the day. One other great thing I learned, not great, but hard-earned <laughs> nugget I learned was a colleague of mine or a client of mine, he's an investment banker, and he said, look, you will never ask enough questions, and you can turn the business into something else, and I did. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about that maybe down the line here on some of the other points. But yeah, there's definitely a, a an entrepreneur definitely is not playing it safe. No. I, I, I think there's a, I think there, my personal experiences, I think there's obviously an element of fear. I don't know if that's the right word of going to work for somebody else that, that somebody else in a secure job can be, you know, like, Hey, I'm closing the doors tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Oh, we didn't make our numbers. I need another yacht. I mean, there's mm -hmm. always a fear of working somewhere, but I, I think it's just different. Well, yes, because unlike you, I'm not really an entrepreneur. I'd rather work for somebody else. But then again, I also make sure I'm working for someone I believe in and trust. But as an entrepreneur, I, I do know you spend a lot of time doing research and asking questions and doing more research. And even though you might not get all your questions answers, or there's always surprises in anything. Uh, I feel you still have a good foundation that it doesn't totally knock you off the road and that you're able to get up and, and continue. Um, for, in, for instance, you had to learn a little bit more about certain technology trends. And that's another point that's number five here on the list. There you uh, go. Good segue. Successful entrepreneur. So why don't you share some of those with us, darling? Oh, good rim, my wheelhouse. Finally, technology. Thank you. <laughs> I'm mostly good with tech. Um, some stuff I've learned over the year was I took on ChatGPT. I'm giving it a big credit for learning, relearning a product called Microsoft Power BI to help me land a several thousand dollar project. 
that I'm implementing starting tomorrow. So I use technology that cost me 20 bucks a month. I leverage my intellectual capital. I had some of it before, but I had to kind of relearn the skill. Mm-hmm. And I was able to leverage that into a client that's going to pay a nice, you know, it's going to be a nice project for the end of the year. Um, and they're going to be part of that goal that I was talking about earlier of get, getting that hosting revenue and uh, and making a living that way, as opposed to selling my time by the hour. So how can so other people... You- so would you say that that 20 bucks a month is like investing in yourself? A little bit of that. Yep. And uh, okay. uh, we get the bullet six, but I like, I want to talk about bullet five a little more. Absolutely. One of our episodes, uh, I think it was like the second or third where I was really just getting it started is there's a ton of tech out there that's free mm-hmm. or software you can use to get started. I mean, chat GPT is even free, but if you go to, one of our previous episodes, uh, I think it's episode two, that talks about free, you can even find free CRM stuff. You can find free word processors. You can find free versions of Microsoft Office. You can find free versions of desktop publishing called Canva. They they have like a free version. I mean, is it limited? But it, it gets jobs done. So you, the technology is there. It's becoming more of a marketing and relationship building problem than a technology problem. So that I think goes into investment six uh, by talking about investing in yourself because uh, it, boy, it it's infinite learning, especially in IT. I know I'm at a point of a career where I don't, I'm not as taking on all the new tech that I used to. I'm probably going to stick, I probably won't learn any new platforms from scratch anymore, but I have to just to stay within a product. I'm a partner called Zoho. They have 45 products as I can sell. So I think there's enough for me to learn. And I think there's constant learning. And, I, and I've heard that from other colleagues we've interviewed, uh, like Amanda with her Alexander technique. I mean, she has to be constantly recertified. Singers always have to go to voice lessons, even though I think they sound perfect already. Mm-hmm. You got to go again. Yeah, you have so, to constantly be working on your your craft and learning new repertoire. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you. I think to end the investment in themselves, you may may have run to the end of the road. Maybe you're done with this endeavor. I think if you don't want to invest in yourself, or hey, maybe you're maxed out. I know everything about a certain car there is to know, and you just ride it out. I don't know, but I think. One of the attributes we've seen so far is investing in themselves. And I think that segues in this bullet point list of investing themselves and constantly learning. I'm not sure what that. I I think that's more for, I read it. Well, I read a little bit in that article. Yeah. And it really, I think is for newer entrepreneurs. You have to be constantly learning and not sit on the laurels of one's success. Um, or one, you know, one option of your, your product. You have to, you know, maybe you don't have all the skills you need. It could be bookkeeping or it could be how to, you know, find, update your website or um, how to reach out to more po- possible future customers. But it's... Um, uh, I see. More of an yeah, it's, it's more coming... A... Yeah, it's, it's more coming into, you know, taking your entrepreneurial business seriously and then it's it's a constant 
you you can't sit back and just expect the phone to ring. Darn it. <laughs> I know, so I know. I want to sit back and not be afraid of rest. Darn it. Okay, so that segues to eight. And we got some great examples of people that took deeper dives than I ever did. So number eight was they're not afraid of risk. I think we got a couple of stories of, uh, I'll, I'll focus on, I, I'm going to be biased, my brother um, and Connor Macon, who are both two commercial real estate investors down, or sorry, commercial brokers working on their investors, on their investor side. They are not afraid of risk because they're going to start investing in proper commercial properties. They're going to put their money where their sales mouth is and start investing as well. And yeah, with great risk comes great reward. They're definitely not afraid. My brother's story, he's on one of the podcasts. It's called the From Frustration to Freedom is the title. He, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, ChatGPT. It made that alliteration. It likes alliteration. So um, Matthew's story for talking about risk is he, unfortunately, he was going through some tough personal times up here trying to get corporate jobs. And he wound up going to Florida on his own. My da our dad hooked him up, but he started off with no customers. He had my father's professional network and he started with that. And so, you know, and so, and that's it. And he started with that and built a professional network. I mean, that was risking everything, leaving your family up here in Chicago to go get that done. And I, you know, Connor's journey was, he, he was, struggling with addiction and he could have gone down, I'm sure a lot darker past than what he has today. So to risk rejection, to risk getting on the phone and talking to people and saying, Hey, you want me to sell your, your life's investment? It's a, it's a pretty big ask. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then the fun sidebar was uh, one of the guys, his name is Carlos. He tried to pitch um, a certain former president at Mar-a-Lago. So he tried to put his business card through the Secret Service guys. Yes. And it happened to be a poker chip. Yes. Was his business card. Very classy. Very classy. It's right. And he really thought me. he really thought he could flip literally flip his business card over the wall of Secret Service men and it would just land on that person's table for some reason. And he had a lot of he had a lot of guts, but in the end he realized, okay, the phrase was not today. Not today. Yes. <laughs> I love that yeah. secret service man going not today. Not today. So <laughs> I will see him in two weeks. So I, I will, I will, I'm going to try to get Carlos on the podcast as well with the, the other guys and talk mm -hmm. about, you know, how to move your up to success when there's a lot of doom in the room and I, mm -hmm. it's easier for me to fall for. Before we get into the next segment, we wanted to let you know you're listening to Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo on WVLP 103.1 FM, a community radio station out of Valparaiso, Indiana. Thanks for listening, and let's continue. They're willing to experience failure. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I got some stories. Why don't you share one? Oh, boy. Okay. Uh... <laughs> All right. I mean, you opened yourself up to it. I know, right? Right, right. The chops there. Here we go. All right. <laughs> so the toughest one was uh, during the my real hard time and the troubles from 2007 to 2012. I 
I I put all my chips in a product called Dragon Medical Practice Edition software. Technology is cool as heck. It still is. So as medical software, as doctors had to go electronic to stay compliant with new federal regulations, this software by Dragon Naturally Speaking had a, it was about, I'm going to say five grand a pop. And you put it on a, a, a you know high-end workstation and you had a microphone, not just a Mr. Microphone. It had a full dictaphone integrated and doctors could speak into the mic and it understood the entire medical world vocabulary and can listen to accents and you would train it on the accent. So if you're of you know, non-Midwestern English descent, it will learn your accent. And if you're British, you will learn that accent or if you're French. Is that well, what you're British saying? Even, really, even British? I'm not sure about the Brits. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're so, telling me. That's what I'm asking. Yes. Actually, so it does segue into my story of failure. So the one client that found me was a British expat in Winnetka. This is before I got to re-meet you. Mm -hmm. In downtown Winnetka. And she wanted this software. I sold it. I put my own money in. She paid me. I tried to train her. She wouldn't listen to training. And she mm. threw it back at me. I wound up eating money I couldn't eat. Oh. And that was the end of my, uh, like the beginning of the end of a big transition of my life. So I ate money on several places. One was um, this client throwing the software back in my face. Two the company that was supposed to support me closed their doors. They were in Florida, by the way. You know, you're one of your favorite places to visit. They're in Palm Beach Gardens, the city that you visited. And yeah, these guys put on a dog and pony show. They 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 got me through the exam. We're gonna be there to support you. This is how we're gonna do it. Here's your training program. Man, as soon as I got off that plane in Chicago, they 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 tanked. Oh, I was left holding the bag on all places, marketing, support, everything. And I was dealing with a lot of other personal. Um, so how problems. did you get out of that? How did you? I just, I, I gave her her money back and walked away from everything. Well, that's so a good lesson failure. to learn. Yes, you did. <laughs> the lesson learned is I, I knew the brand was good, but. I didn't have the support network. Not enough. I had one good guy in there, but he wasn't local. And, you know, I couldn't, it just, I wasn't, I was, my mental health was not ready to take the rest of it on. So okay. I just, I cut and run. Um, so yeah, I, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta take those stories in. You, you gotta take the war stories in. And there's um, sometimes, like you said, you have to just cut, cut your losses and move on to something else. So yeah. Brings us to number 10, because this is uh, the top 12. That's right. We're almost there. Characteristics for successful entrepreneurs. So number 10, entrepreneurs adapt to the current needs of the customer and market. Is that true, Mark? Oh, yeah. I mean, at least in IT, it's a really easy sell because the skills I learned 15 years ago don't really apply. No one's going to pay me to install. Very few people are going to pay me to install software anymore. Mm -hmm. I would say even let it's changing where some software, some software 
will allow people to configure it themselves or DIY it. You know, mm -hmm. hey, you just provide the license, maybe 15 minutes, and then they're on their own. The mm -hmm. technology is getting better in some platforms where they can do most of the work themselves. Uh, 15, 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. I would say also demographically, uh, I don't know what the generations are. I'd say anybody under 40 is comfortable with computers. They'll, they'll set up their own software. And my role isn't necessary to install software. I'm like, hey, here's a license. This is cool. I might do a little onboarding, but they're going to be on their own for the, the rest of the show. And my, mm -hmm. my job is a lot different. And I think that is the adoption or my networking skills from my networking class from 20 years ago. Yeah, the, the basics are there, but man, if they threw me in a network engineer job, I'd be done. Mm. Uh, so I don't know other, I would say current needs and current market. I think that'd be pretty applicable to one of the episodes of the Campos group uh, or sorry. Yeah. The Campos Collective. Oh yeah, the trio, the singers who do their YouTube episodes and um and they really are trying to adapt not only to utilizing the different skill sets they have as musicians and actors, um, but also depending on the audience that comes and responds to them, uh, and also bringing in other people as guest artists. So they're they're I, they're new enough I think and and savvy enough that they're they're looking at how they can entertain and keep people interested and they know they're going to have to change a lot to do that not change but uh, adapt their programming you know keep it fresh so That's to speak right. so number eleven entrepreneurs know how to sell themselves and I know this is something that Mark you love to do marketing. Yeah, I don't know if that editor is going to take that out. The um, I hope it stays for comedic effect. All right, entrepreneurs are really good. I think that they should know how to sell themselves. Is a, is the better statement? Entrepreneurs usually start because they're really good technical proficiency at something first. Mm -hmm. They're not usually salespeople by default. So I think getting better at sales training, whatever that looks like, marketing training, getting out there, marketing, or at least bring somebody with you as a partner to help you sell. If you don't have that skill, either A, you got to build it, or B, you better partner with somebody quick. Just being a really good technician, I don't think will be a key to success any longer well didn't you all have to hire someone a certain person? oh i have i have uh i did i've done it. it i haven't been as successful as i'd like to be honest with with mm -hmm. sales salesmanship i've done sales training um i've done sales uh in the uk i had i worked with somebody you know it, it's not a personal matter we just we couldn't it just wasn't working in terms of the, the methods and who we were talking to and why um, it w was a challenge. But knowing how to sell yourself, it's the challenge is getting yourself in front of somebody to present. And number 12, entrepreneurs network, network, network. And I've noticed that since you've moved to Gray's Lake, 
that you have done a lot more networking. Yes, that was a tough push, but I did it. I started in April this year, March, April, I believe. Mm -hmm. And the reason was what was working for me, what is that other uh, bullet point number 10, adapting to the current needs of the market. Um, mm -hmm. For 20 years, I was able to live off of a certain vendor's brand recognition and being one of the only people that not a supporter. I'm still one of maybe 70 to 100 in the country that are really good at it or certified in it, but that brand is dying. Mm -hmm. So I can't, I can't wait any longer. And so I had to make a, an adoption to go out and network and present myself locally. I, I got really lucky. There's a, a neighbor here. Her name is Cheryl. And she was kind of that next lead. And she was just a, a godsend. Mm -hmm. And I was able to connect to her community of people. And then I started going to about three, I'm in about three main groups or three tribes of people in the Lake County, Illinois area now. And it's start, it's going to have its own momentum. People know me and I go to a breakfast at this little American uh, diner over in Libertyville. They go, Mark. And I'm like, wow. Huh? No. So it, it, it definitely makes you feel good. It gives you a lot of external validation. But boy, it's a it's a push. And I I think one of my goals is to bring somebody on the show that is really good at it. And it I'm I've gotten better, but there are people that are just excellent. But, there's some yeah. people that are better talking to others. They like being they're extroverts, they like socializing, they like introducing themselves or meeting new people. And both you and I can do it. Um, I think I can do it a little bit easier than you, Yes, but we're not extroverts. It's something you're, you know, we've taught ourselves to do and get better at, but yeah, it, it would be interesting to have somebody on that you've met through those networking opportunities to come on and talk about how they do it and why yeah. it's so easy for them to do. <laughs> yep. And one of the guys that in the show, I think there's a lot of people on our show that do really good at this. I think Cindy Chang said she's really good. At, it's been one of mm -hmm. her keys to success. Um, I noticed Tina does a lot of work with her piano circuit as well yes. as the church circuit, the yes. church circuit, I believe. Yes. Um, and when you also have people like Tom that was on for security. Oh, Tom Gottfried, yes. Tom really Gottfried is a great networker. And we just you know, popped into our, our favorite local coffee shop in Grays Lake. And they, he was there with a new customer and introduced us. And we had a really nice talk. And also it was just like, he knows so many people and he keeps recommending people to other people. It's just really a gift that he has, that Tom Godfrey has. Yes. Yeah. And mm -hmm. one last thing on the network, network, network is if you're going to do this, you Instead of trying to find clients, I think the best thing to do is what they call power partners. That's kind of, I know it's kind of yeah. a hokey term, but. No, it's not a hokey term. Power partners. Right. I mean, uh, it's about building relationships, yep. whether it's with people that can find you customers. So it's really just building relationships because yeah. who's going to want to go with a recommendation of someone they don't trust what to recommend by, and vice versa. So it's building those relationships that are going to help with the networking. And that's like, you know, my friend Tina, 
has built relationships with people in the music world and with parents of children who want to learn piano. And it's it's long game. It's long game, but very um, long game. It's, it's but something you have to do. Yeah, yeah, to be successful as an entrepreneur. There is some hard costs to it, but it's still the probably cheapest way to gain new sales, I think. Or one of the cheaper ways because you're investing your labor to get there. And there's some obviously some nominal fees to be in the Chamber of Commerce or if you're in mm -hmm. BNI, it's a decent penny. Um mm -hmm. and one networking group in Grays Lake and it's six hundred dollars a year. Yeah, but I get a good I get a breakfast, so why not? But <laughs> um you know, so there is some hard cost to it, but it, it's probably it's definitely cheaper than putting an ad in a newspaper. And right. Who, you know, who, who's got those now anyway? Right. And you're really pinpointing your contact and with people in where, you know, if you're just spreading it to even digital ads or print ads, it, you're still not going to get that same return as nope. you would being face to face with those people. Nope. All right, so those are your top 12 characteristics of a successful entrepreneur. Now on to some fun things to close out the hour. Mark and I have some favorite shows, and we were just tossing it around, and we came up with the following. Would you like to introduce it, Mark? Well, yeah, because it's a gig economy now. We got our mm -hmm. DoorDashes, you got your Ubers, you got Lyft, Postmates, and even something called Amazon Flex. What is Amazon Flex? Yes, you can, no deliver, you can deliver packages with your sedan. You just need like a four-door sedan or bigger, and you can start delivering for Amazon. Wow. I, but it's there, right? It's the gig economy. So you're a contractor. You're not even an employee of Amazon no. anymore, right? No, it's like just like the Uber. You know, mm -hmm. they don't have to so buy it's another, another side hustle. Okay. Yep. So... But we've always had second jobs, and yeah, you know, those mm -hmm. are those are tough. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to talk about ones that were fun, and we just came up with that this morning. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna run through a list of our some of our favorite side hustles and or just hustles, and then we're gonna wind up the year with that. Okay. So what the first one we came up with just out of the blue was from the office, the U.S. version of the office. It's Dwight's Beet Farm. <laughs> That's right. He sells office paper by day, but he's got beets on the weekends. Oh, and he knows everything you need to know about beets. And it's very serious about it. It's just he hilarious. Does. And he has this crazy little brother that lives on the farm. He's a little slow, isn't he? Yeah, he's a little slow. <laughs> so these so, are all yeah. based on some of our favorite shows, so. Just oh, in yeah, case so you didn't our, get that, people. These yeah. are some side hustles or gigs that people do in some of our favorite shows from, what would you say, the 90s and the early 2000s? Yeah, that's about our yep. era. I, I, yep. got, I got nothing. Uh, Twenty one show, Yeah, one show for 2010 and up. It didn't make the list here. I might throw in there. <laughs> it just came out this, this <laughs> Well, we can give it an place. honorable mention at the end. Yep. The next one is Parks and Recs. And... There is that one character in the office named Tom. Tom and he, yeah. And he's always looking to make extra money or get, be a successful entrepreneur and leave his government, city government job. And he's done, had little 
businesses, they all fail. But he is so enthusiastic and such a go-getter that we had to list a few of them. One was renting suits. He would rent suits out to people thinking he could make a killing. Yep. And that died quickly. And then he sided with what was the, who was the character that he started an incubator office with? Yeah, it was one of those tech tech bro offices. Right, right. With daddy's they, money. With daddy's money. And they, you know, they had hired a, a famous basketball player to come in and just play basketball to give them some image to incur, you know, to make people feel, wow, these people are really successful. So basically we're doing everything you shouldn't do as an entrepreneur. They and blew of course, the money first. So it's you blew the money first. They had no business planned. They, 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 they had no way they had used all their investment money just to make the storefront look nice. It was hilarious. And then one of his last ones that he tried was selling his own type of perfume that ended up giving people hives or other terrible side effects. And it was flammable. It was like, you couldn't have it next to an open flame, this perfume. So that, that was from Parks and Rec. And one of my favorite shows was Will and Grace. And there are <laughs> two characters there. One was Jack, who was this always aspiring actor and would always have these, either he'd be saying, today I want, I'm going to be a nurse and no, I'm going to be a professional surfer, you know, and he, but he would never really accomplish anything. But the one thing he did do as a performer, he had his own little cabaret show called Jack, just Jack. And he, you know, it was a very small, like little cabaret show and only his friends and maybe it was maybe five people would come to his show, but sometime he would always be doing it. And that would be like his expression. And he really thought big of himself as this performer. <laughs> he wasn't very successful. <laughs> At one point he burned down the stage set doing a <laughs> salute to America for July 4th. And that kind of ended the show. Another one from Will and Grace is Karen. And Karen is this rich woman who wanted to have a job and grace has a interior design company and she needed a receptionist but she couldn't really pay a receptionist so their deal was that karen would show up and answer the phone and accept deliveries and grace would pay her with the check which karen would never cash because she's extremely rich so um that was a very interesting side side job. I would like to have had that job. I thought she never told him. I thought that was the better part. I thought she never told Grace <laughs> that she never cashed the checks. She never – that was their agreement that the, ah. she would not so that Grace could save money on taxes, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, Rested Development. Why don't you go on and share uh, this one of my beautiful nuggets. So Will Arnett's one of my favorite – comedians and he played a character called job g-o-b mm -hmm. george oscar bluth mm -hmm. as the eldest son and he was always a failed magician mm -hmm. <laughs> so they thought he, he always thought he could be president of the company and he was beyond incompetent right but he'd always pull in magic tricks and they right. always failed spectacularly and at one point he did go work at the banana stand because that's where the bluths made their fortune was right. at the banana stand on the beach. Right. Yeah. He he had a lot of dreams. He just was not able to succeed in any of them. 
Uh, I would say another one that, you know, people liked was Friends. And beside two of the characters, I think, that had pretty much nine to five jobs or consistent jobs with the characters, Ross and Chandler. And so Ross was a paleontologist. So he was either working for a museum or teaching. And Chandler was working in numbers and, and investment numbers for different corporations. I don't remember all of the jobs he had, but those are the ones that seem to have the consistent jobs. The others, Joey, Rachel, Phoebe, and Monica all had gig gig jobs to survive in New York and, of course, in a beautiful apartment that no one would be able to afford on their salaries. But anyway, um, still a fun show to watch. But, you know, they would, Joey would do all these various silly commercials as he is aspiring actor. Um, he even did porn. And, <gasps> but he wasn't the main star. He was like the delivery boy, you know, and um, you had Phoebe, Phoebe, who, you know, would be a masseuse, but she would also be, you know, a, a terrible musician in the coffee shop. And Monica had all these failing cooking jobs until she got her own chef, head chef job. And Rachel was in clothing industry and she, you know, had, again, had very small gig jobs until she got her big break. But it was like, they all had these kind of gig gig jobs and they had to rely on each other to survive. And, um, and it was charming back then because eventually they all got stable jobs where in today it's a uh, gig is just, you know, gig, jobs are for many people survival but that was an example of some funny gig jobs from friends and then the simpsons is one of my husband's favorite shows and i let him share this funny job just one just one well homer simpson was mr plow <laughs> and i sent cynthia a clip on youtube for her to watch about mr plow yes Another so, fine on. example of an unsuccessful entrepreneur for the main reason. He was Homer. But he was <laughs> successful for a day. And then, yes, they, they had a great resolution. And yes, he gets a, he puts on a commercial, like Cape public access at four in the morning. He makes his kids stay up late <laughs> to watch, watch it. Because it. it was like, because so, it was all like a four in the morning is the only time they could afford. Right. And, so yes, he was Mr. Plow. So maybe I should get a jacket. And get it stitched with Mr. Plow. No, you shouldn't. Just leave it with the show. Just leave it with the show. But yes, that, that was a typical Homer. I'll put, you know, I'll get myself a Mr. Plow jacket and a snow plow. And my kids will do the commercial. And after the commercial ran, he expected the phone to ring. <laughs> and after one or two days, it didn't. And that was the end of Mr. Plow. Oh, and we have many examples of unsuccessful entrepreneurs in the wonderful TV series Seinfeld. And we went over the top because we can. Because we can. And I think you should start it off, honey, with Kramer. Oh, I'll start with Kramer. Okay. Yes. So Kramer, for those who don't know the backstory, it was Seinfeld's neighbor across the hall. And the running gag the whole time was he never had a job. He was always on strike at the bagel factory. Mm -hmm. So he had all the time in the world. We don't know how he paid his bills. It didn't matter. It was that great suspension of disbelief. Right. But he always had something called Kramerica Industries. <laughs> and I 
found a Seinfeld Wikipedia page, Seinfeld Wiki, that I've got a quick list of six, or maybe seven. So Kramerica Industries had the following businesses. Make your own pizza, pizza place. Oil bladders. And, and that's what we're oil bladders. So he had these rubber things that he would throw off the building in Seinfeld's apartment to see if they worked or not. Wow. So if an oil tanker ran aground, if they had a right. the big bladder, it wouldn't cause a spill. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, he had a chain of restaurants and all they served was PB and J PB and J sandwiches, peanut butter <laughs> jelly. He also tried to put ketchup and mustard in the same bottle. Uh-huh. A coffee table book about coffee tables. That was his most successful adventure. <laughs> yes. Yes. And he also had a rollout tie dispenser. Wow. Surprise. He's not a millionaire on that show. You know, <laughs> I could go on. I, I just want to go on and on. But Cynthia, you got some of the other characters. I'll let you take care of the other characters. Well, Elaine loved muffins. And so she was. I think a former boss of hers or someone that she knew. And she says, oh, I love muffins. But you know what I love most about muffins? The tops. I mean, they come off. They're perfect. You can eat them. They're so easy. You don't get all the crumbs. Why doesn't somebody have a business with just muffin tops? And he took her for her word. He invested it. You know, he was a successful businessman. He invests all of his savings into this muffin top store and doesn't even survive a month. And he, of course, <laughs> blames her for her failure. Another one was this uh, Middle Eastern gentleman who had opened up like an Americana restaurant. And it had every kind of, it's like a Greek restaurant, you know, it had all these different cuisines on it. And yet he wasn't getting any business. And he said, well, you know, and Seinfeld comes in and says, well, maybe you need to specialize in just a few dishes instead of everything. He says, what do you mean? He says, well, what about, you know, the, the food of your people? And he says, what a great idea. You're a great, great man. He says, oh, I will be the first customer to come in. So it's like a Lebanese, a Middle Eastern cuisine. It's beautifully decorated in his cultural uh, culture of his people. And again, nobody comes in. Nobody wants to try any of the food. And he ends up losing his business in about a month or two. <laughs> and it loses his green card or application for the green card because he can't keep his business afloat. And so he has to be sent back to, I think it was India or maybe it was Lebanon. But anyway, the purpose was he, you know, always shook his finger at Seinfeld after we're saying, you're a very bad man, a very, very bad man. Another one was the hand model. George. George. George, who was perpetually either out of work or not looking for work, mainly not looking for work. But when he did have a job, it was because he had these beautiful hands and he finally thought he had found the golden, you know, brass ring. He was going to be a hand model and he was going to make lots of money. And of course, he comes in to see Jerry in his green room at, during one of Jerry's times on The Tonight Show where Jerry has to wear the puffy shirt. And he doesn't want to wear the puffy shirt, but it's Kramer's girlfriend who's trying to promote her puffy shirt business. So she's ironing the puffy shirt, has not turned off the iron. And of course, when George comes in the green room to, you know, watch the show uh, with Seinfeld before he goes on, trips and falls hands first onto the hot iron. And there goes his hand modeling career. So all these wonderful failed examples in Seinfeld of people having these dreams 
and and just not knowing their market and not knowing how to invest or having a good business plan. So they didn't um, plan. <laughs> they did not plan. Um, another one of our favorite favorite shows of all time is Frasier. Oh, before and, I forget, one honorable yeah. mention. Honorable uh, mention by Jerry Stiller's character. Oh uh, yes, Jerry Stiller's character. Uh, George's yes. dad. Played, George's uh, dad. Who made his fortune in raincoat? No, Jerry's dad was raincoats, but Jerry Stiller wanted to invented the man's ear. That's right, the man's ear. Yep, and it never really got off the ground, did it? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Next was Frasier, where towards the end of the series, Niles, his brother, and Frasier decide they're going to go in the restaurant business, and this is high level French vis, you know restaurant and they're going to keep the chef but as their opening night comes out everything that could go wrong did go wrong from them firing the chef or the chef firing out you know leaving them because they were criticizing his food to having a geriatric valet driver driving into the restaurant and you know everything that you know fire fire starts in the kitchen and people aren't getting their food. And it was just a total Fraser niles disaster. And it was because they really thought they could just come in and be wonderful hosts and everything was going to run perfectly without them really having to do anything. They're really good at ordering a meal. They're really good at ordering a meal and selecting wine, but that was it. That was about the... So they didn't have a plan. There you go. <laughs> they did so... not have a plan. <laughs> so there you have it. There are come of our fun shows that we watched over the years and examples of people that were not successful. And uh, I think at that point, we probably need to bring it to a close, unfortunately. But I hope everyone had fun listening to our little light, serious but light show today. Well, we've reached the end of the hour here. And we've concluded on Ron Swanson for 2023, and that's just fantastic. And Cynthia, thank you for keeping me on the level, keeping these shows together, and keeping me on time. You're very welcome. I've enjoyed doing the shows with you this year. If you missed some of the show today, you can listen to the replay on Thursday at 1 p.m. Central Time on WVLP 103.1 FM or live stream at www wvlp.org and we store the past shows on mark's website at www.mondocrm.com forward slash podcast or you can listen to the podcast on your favorite app at any time we're listed in apple podcasts google podcasts spotify TuneIn, iHeartRadio, amazon music and podbean just search for mark mondo and the show will come up and you can subscribe to the show for the latest updates and the show is now on youtube just search for mondo crm or getting down to business with mark mondo and the episodes will come up on the youtube feed thank you very much for spending time with us today and we look forward to you joining us again next week have a happy new year bye-bye